the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks for being here. Usually we uh, give you the, the first opening segment of the show. Uh, but the opening segment, we talked a lot about the Facebook files. And then at the end of the show, we had Alan Bakari, the Breitbart News tech senior correspondent, talk about the Facebook files. He did a better job. So we're just going to skip the first segment and go right to the second segment. And we talk about this CNN article from an ER doctor about how cruel our border is. Now, also on SiriusXM at 740, we talked with Randy Clark, who's one of the wonderful Breitbart uh, border uh, writers, uh, about these buoys, uh, great detail about our current border facilities, uh, incredible insight into what's happening in New York City and how that's just going to get much worse. But finally, the people and the leaders of New York City are waking up. So Governor Abbott's plan is working perfectly. We talked all about that. And that's available on SiriusXM Patreon. Yeah. So this, we just give you a little bit here. The whole show, if you like what you hear here, then the whole show is available on SiriusXM, the SiriusXM app uh, on, uh, on Channel 125. And you can listen live, of course, every morning as well on SiriusXM. Alas, here is a little bit of intro into the border, or a little insight, I should say, into how the left views uh, our border. Doctor, I see the cruelty of U.S. immigration policy up close. This is in particular reference to the buoys that have been installed in Texas. A couple weeks ago, we talked about these buoys that the governor of Texas placed across parts of the Rio Grande. It's these big orange buoys. And my understanding is if you grab them, if you try to cross the river, which you are not allowed to do, if you try to cross the river and you grab them, then they spin. So you can't climb over them. And there are nets underneath them, so you can't swim under them. So they prevent you from illegally crossing into America over the river. Seems pretty basic. Seems like every single person was, hey, you're not allowed to cross the river. Oh, well, look what people are. What can we do? Well, let's put up a barrier so that they can. Okay, great idea. Like, what, what are we talking about? That's just, it makes perfect sense. Nope. Immoral and inhumane. Immoral. And inhumane, how dare you? That's what the president of Mexico said there. The president of Mexico said that these barriers, these buoys, are immoral and inhumane. Now notice that the president of Mexico doesn't say they're effective. Although that's his real problem with them. The problem with these buoys from the president of Mexico's perspective and from the cartel's perspective is that the, they work. That's the problem. From the Democrats' perspective, the reason these buoys are bad is because they work. Probably works better than a wall. I wonder if anyone's crossed it. But they can't say they work. They can't be like, they can't be like we're against this barrier because it's a barrier and it's good. It's good at it's very effective at what it intends to do. And we're against that. They can't say, that. oh, it's inhumane and immoral. We'll go one step further. This is the president of Mexico. Their evangelical pastors, their Catholic priests, their religious brothers will question them because they're not only acting as bad governors and bad, bad citizens, but as bad Christians. You're a bad Christian. 
left claims that two illegal immigrants have died because of these buoys. And Governor Abbott of Texas says, no, it's not, it's not because of the buoys. We have no proof that they died because of the buoys at all. And I would say, even if it was because of the buoys, don't do dangerous and illegal things. But to the left, America is a mean country. We shouldn't even have a wall because look at, look at all the mean things we've done already in the world. Which is weird, though, because if we are so bad, you'd think people would not want to be coming in, but don't worry about consistency. Anywho, here's this ER doctor in El Paso. He says he sees a lot of these. Well, he says he hikes a lot, big hiker, and he sees evidence of migrants, migrants who have traveled across the southern U.S. border. Now, a quick time out here, and then we'll get to the main essence of this. Words matter. Notice how he never finds any evidence of these people going back across the border into Mexico, which is what a migrant would do. A migrant comes across the border to pick strawberries and then goes back to Mexico after the strawberries are picked. That is not what these people are. This is a one-way trip. Migrant like a bird who migrates goes to one place and then comes back. If that's what these people were in fact doing, then we could have a conversation about that. That is not what they are doing. So stop saying they are. This is a one-way trip. This is an illegal immigrant. He says he finds water bottles, diapers, clothes. These migrants make the perilous trek through the desert out of sheer desperation. As U.S. Is it? Is it sheer desperation or is it a strong desire? Those are different. Those are different things. Sheer desperation versus strong desire. As U.S. immigration policy policies have shut many of them out of the country. Oh, can you believe it? Can you believe that U.S. immigration policy has shut them out of our country? Like, yeah. That's what immigration policy is. This guy wants no borders. None. None at all. He's an ER doctor who sees the migrants who, quote, have suffered the consequences of harsh border policies. Oh, this is so good. This is so great. So, so, so he sees migrants who have suffered the consequences of harsh border policies. Okay, let's say, uh, let's say I tried. I tried to break past the checkpoint of a military base. I used to live near uh, Camp Pendleton in San Diego. So, being a military base, there are guards at the front of the base, right? So if I tried to ram my car through this barrier and the barricades and the guys checking licenses, and stuff, if I rammed through that and they shot me or shot the tires and the car spun out and I flipped my car and I got injured, no way would anyone fathom to write, wow, look at how this man suffered from the consequences of a harsh military base check-in policy. That's look at look at the suffering that he's going through because they make you stop and give an ID. Oh, he has suffered because of that. What do you mean he suffered? Well, look his car flipped over and he got shot. Well, no, that's 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 not the He broke the, he, he didn't just he 
know what I mean? Let me be a little less dramatic. <clears throat> Actually, this isn't even that dramatic anymore, I guess. Or not dramatic. This doesn't even work anymore, this example in my brain. But I'll do it anyway. Uh, if I went to a uh, we'll do jewelry store, because they, they may be a little more uh, defensive of a jewelry store. So I go to a jewelry store, and I, I reached in, I stole a handful of diamond bracelets. And I ran out. And as I run out, the security guard tackles me, and I break my arm. No way would I say, look at how I've suffered from the consequences of harsh anti-theft policy at this store. The harsh anti-theft. They have an anti-theft policy. It is harsh. It says you can't. And I've suffered. I broke my arm. That policy broke my arm. Oh, yeah, you're just walking down the street minding your own business and it broke your arm? Well, not exactly. I broke the policy. But that doesn't matter. The point is the policy is very bad. No, the policy didn't. You suffered the consequences of your own actions of hiking across the border illegally in the middle of summer. That's an unbelievable sentence. How someone can get away with that. I see the migrants who have suffered the consequences of harsh border policy. It's unbelievable. Uh, more than 100 migrants, he says, ER doctor, this on CNN, more than 100 migrants have died from heat along the southern U.S. border this year. 13 deaths, uh, 226 rescues for dehydration and other heat issues in just one week in July. Yes. Yes, it's terrible. You, ER doctor, you should tell the people who you treat in the emergency room to go tell your family and friends to not do this. Don't do the thing you just did and almost died from. Go to the checkpoint and try legally. It's much, much safer. Has anyone died at the checkpoints? That's a good question. If we have such harsh border policies that say go to the checkpoint and fill out this paperwork and do it legally, if that if that's that's the that's the policy. Has anyone died doing that? Many of these migrants, when found alive, will end up in the emergency room, unconscious and clinging to life. One young patient was found in the desert next to her deceased son and husband. Others come with little signs of brain activity. I know. I bet it's awful. I bet it's just awful. Which is why we need to get rid of any shred of possibility that it could ever be done. And then people will stop doing it. Texas Governor Greg Abbott's cruel escalation of border deterrence has only exacerbated. What do you think of that word? Exacerbate. I don't like it. Exacerbate. Exacerbate. Sounds weird. It exacerbates. No, no, I'm against that word. He's, it's a, his cruel policy has only exacerbated the already dangerous conditions for migrants seeking refuge in our country. <laughs> seeking refuge? No, from what? You can't seek refuge from a bad economy. You can't seek refuge from your own broken country. Oh, by the way, El Salvador, which is one of those uh, terrible countries, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, right? The Golden Triangle or whatever they call this. Uh, they had crazy crime. One of the worst, highest crime rates in the world. I think they were literally number one crime rate in the world. 
in 2021. In 2022, crime rates have dropped 57%. And it's not just because all the criminals came to America. It's because their government cracked down on crime and arrested a ton of people. And maybe you've seen pictures of all their prisoners lined up in, 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 in jail. It's great. They had one of the highest murder rates in the world. They had uh, 1,147 murders in 2021, and uh, that cut w- way less than half at 496 in 2022. And the head of the police in El Salvador, he said crime is down because, quote, that number of criminals is no longer on the streets harming the population. Uh Yes, that would be. If the criminals are not on the street but are instead in jail, that's one reason we have jails. There's a few reasons why we have jails. One is so that the criminals cannot continue to do bad things to people. So when you arrest the criminals and you put them in a big building that they can't get out of, so cruel, I know, then they, there will be no less, there'll be less crime. They will not be committing crime, so that crime will not happen. You have prevented further crime from occurring and they finally figured that out in El Salvador or had the will to crack down on it. But we don't have that level of common sense yet in America. We've progressed past it. Back to the ER doctor. A pregnant woman having a miscarriage got caught in the wire. In another instance, a young child passed out from heat exhaustion after she tried to pass through the wire and Texas National Guard soldiers pushed her back. I mean, what are you doing? You're pregnant? Why are pregnant women making this journey? Can this be my fault? Is this my fault? How is this my fault? How is this America's fault? It's Governor Abbott's fault? For what? For what? What do you, what do you want? You, what, what, it's my fault for not giving the pregnant woman a direct flight into America? We should make it as... as what if she had a miscarriage on the flight? What if I paid for a flight from Tijuana to, to Chicago? And on the flight, she had a miscarriage. Is that my fault because I didn't give her uh, first class? Or what, what do you, what's the deal? How did this become my fault? When George W. Bush became president in the 2000s, his administration ordered many of the border barriers and walls that now surround El Paso to be built. Inevitably, desperation compels some to climb these walls. So it's, it's our fault for putting up a wall, which now range in height from 18 to 30 feet. In the decades since they were built, hundreds of migrants have been treated in my emergency room for devastating lower extremity and back fractures incurring after falling from the wall. For many, these injuries have lifelong consequences. Is this some sort of joke? We build a wall to keep you out. You you try to climb it, you get hurt. My fault? The wall, It's the cruelty of, of the wall? This reminds me from, of one of my favorite scenes from one of my favorite books. It's by Theodore Dalrymple. All of his books are wonderful. Uh, this book is called Life at the Bottom. You will hear me quote it often. Theodore Dalrymple, that's his pen name. He is a prison psychologist in the poorest parts of England. So he has seen it all. Life at the Bottom is the name of the book. And I love this part. He says, a prisoner recently convicted for the umpteenth time came to me to complain that he had been depressed ever since his trouble came upon him again. And what, I asked, was this trouble that came on him periodically? Uh, It was breaking and entering into churches, 
stealing their valuables and bringing them, excuse me, burning them down to destroy the evidence. And why churches? Was it that he had been dragged as a child to tedious services by hypocritical parents and wished to be revenged upon religion? Perhaps? No, not at all. It was because in general, churches were poorly secured, easy to break into, and contained valuable objects inside. Oddly enough, he did not deduce from this pragmatic, reasonable, and honest explanation of his choice of ecclesiastical burglary as a career that he was himself responsible for the trouble that mysteriously overtook him every time he was released from prison. He blamed the church authorities for the laxness of their security, which first caused and then reinforced his compulsion to steal from them. So he would steal from the churches and then get arrested, and he said it was the church's fault. How could it be the church's fault? Well, they have not taken the steps necessary to prevent me from acting upon my proclivities. I have this this uh, compulsion. Or what, what's the word this uh, ER doctor used? Uh, and I said, no, it's not. It's not that strong. Desperation, sheer desperation. This man has a sheer desperation to steal. And the church doesn't do enough to stop them. So it's, it's their fault. It's their fault for not having better security. Same thing here. Same thing. It's not the illegal immigrant's fault for illegally climbing a 30-foot wall to break into a country illegally. No, it's the fault of the person who built the 30-foot wall. Just amazing. Last part. Many of the injured injuries sustained along the border. Heat stroke from the hot desert sun, fractured skulls or spines after falling off the border wall, flesh torn by razor wire along the banks of the Rio Grande, are what I call political pathologies, preventable injuries that are a direct result of border policies intended to enact a high cost on those who attempt to cross over. Yes. <laughs> Every day I am confronted. I wish it needs to be a, it needs to be such a high cost that you would never dream of doing it. And every day I'm confronted with the human cost of these pathologies. I see and treat victims who are left permanently disabled with devastating injuries that will limit their ability to work and contribute to society and to their families. Yes, yes, yes. I highly recommend you don't make the journey. 866-95-PATRIOT. 866-95-PATRIOT. What a different worldview. It's unbelievable the difference in worldview that I, maybe you, and this gentleman have. News Daily. We talk with Alan Bakari about the latest with the Facebook files. Have you heard this term, Facebook files? What are the Facebook files? And why should we ever believe what the FBI says ever about anything after this story? Here's Alan. I fell for the story that uh, the FBI casually went to Facebook 
and said, hey, kind of be on the lookout for things. And then uh, Russian disinformation. And then, uh, oh, gosh, golly, wouldn't you know it, the uh, Hunter Biden laptop game. And Facebook was like, hey, I think the FBI told us to kind of be on the lookout for stuff like this. And uh, we should probably censor this. That's not what happened. <laughs> that's the claim. Let me prove that that's what the claim is. This is uh, Zuckerberg on Rogan. Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The New yeah, York we Post. Too. Yeah. So you guys censored that as well. So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us. Some, some folks on our team it was like, hey. Um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was we we thought there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have um, if something is reported to us as potentially. Um, misinformation, important misinformation. We, we also have this third-party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And for the, I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false, um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it, you could still consume it. So when um, you say the distribution is decreased, in, it, it got shared. How it, does that work? It basically, the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less. So fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely- By what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically a um, a lot of people were still able to share it. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously this is a hyper-political issue. So depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor enough or censored it way too much. But right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as, as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still, view as a legitimate institution in this country. It's like very professional law enforcement. If they come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was. It basically fit the pattern. Okay, now we have the Facebook files. We have the truth. Alan Bakari is here. He's the Breitbart Senior Tech Correspondent. Alan, how are you, brother? Good morning, Mike. Good to be on. Thanks, man. So that was the claim. I bought it. I don't know why. I accepted that. What really happened do we know so far? Well, the Facebook files really uh, shed light on what was going on here. Um, it's interesting that uh, that Zuckerberg said they continue to look into uh, the story for uh, five to seven days before they remove that, uh, that uh, suppression because we've learned from the latest dump of the Facebook files that... Um, on the first day the Hunter Biden story was released, you had Facebook um, coming to uh, the FBI, having a, having a chat with their two agents who were tasked talking to social media companies and asking them uh, point blank, you know, is this Russian disinformation? And the FBI responds with, uh, with no comment. So uh, they did, they, they, the FBI knew at that point that uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story was real, mm. that, uh, that it wasn't Russian disinformation. They'd been investigating it for over a year. So they could have just told the social media companies, no, this is not Russian disinformation, and they didn't. Um, they said no comment. But uh, the day after that, uh, Elvis Chan, who uh, is the you know, leading FBI agent when it comes to liaising with the social media companies, said, 
confirm that it wasn't Russian disinformation. So Facebook knew the uh, the day after the story broke that it, it wasn't uh, it didn't come from the Russians. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should have known on the first day, and that was the FBI's fault. But they did know on the second day. <laughs> but uh, according to what Zuckerberg said there on uh, on the Rogan podcast, they continued looking into it for five to seven days, which seems to be a long time given that the FBI said that just a day afterwards. And also considering the election was now just a few days away. So real quick, I missed that. How, how did, I understand your first point about the FBI not telling them. How did, how should Facebook have known the second day? Uh, because the second day, uh, FBI agent Elvis Chan confirmed to them that it wasn't Russian oh, okay. Told disinformation. Them. <laughs> they went beyond. Oh, no okay. Yeah, okay. Yes. Sorry, that, the, the point was so clear. My brain couldn't even comprehend that as being the point. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, well, then that's, uh, that's it. Um, let's go a half a step. Well, no, let me ask this question first. Um, did the FBI give the social media companies a general heads up about potential Russian disinformation? Kind of keep your eyes out. Or were there overt instructions regarding this laptop? Uh, the, as far as I can tell, there's never been... Uh, they never gave. They never specifically mentioned the uh, the laptop story, but um, but yes, they they there was very very like nudge nudge wink wink. There's going to be a huge drop of uh, Russian disinformation right yeah. before the election, and uh, they really had no basis for making that claim. Um, yeah. Okay. That's really a really that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What? Great point. Do we have any evidence that the FBI got all these like real alerts? I don't know how the FBI gets alerts or whatever, that, hey, there will be Russian dis- because Zuckerberg's claim was the FBI said, well, there's a lot of Russian disinformation in 2016. No, there wasn't like as far as I know, Russian disinformation, please disabuse me if I'm wrong. It was stuff like, hey, uh, there's going to be a pro Trump rally in New York City over here at noon. And then Russia uh, disinformation agents would be like, hey, there's also going to be a pro-Hillary rat- over, uh, Hillary rally over here at noon in New York City, huh? And they would promote like things like that. Like that was the extent of Russian disinformation. Is, is there anything beyond that? Yeah, there really that? wasn't that much of There wasn't that much of it. And, you know, in, in a, the, the amount that Russia spent on Facebook ads in 2016 was really pretty pretty small and as you said it was mainly focused it wasn't really focused on disinformation so much as inflaming tensions yes. they also you know uh promoted black lives matter events as well um the point really wasn't to delude people it was just to make people uh make people angry and it yes. wasn't uh there just wasn't that much of it Wow, the uh, the whole uh, disinformation panic, uh, panic was a farce there was no huge wave of russian disinformation or bots in 2016 and the was no evidence that there would be in 2020 either. So the FBI had no basis for making that claim. I think they were, frankly, talking about uh, the laptop when they made these vague general warnings to social media companies. And the fact that they didn't, on day one, uh, inform the social media companies when they asked, uh, is this Russian disinformation, suggests they they wanted it to be suppressed. Absolutely. So when you say... Russia didn't spend that much money on Facebook advertising. I would think, all right, if I'm if I'm thinking like I'm Russia, how much money would I want to spend on inflaming tensions in America during a heated uh, election already? What would I? I'd spend ten million dollars on Facebook ads. That sounds like an like an amount of money that would kind of do some damage. It says uh, Politico says Russian linked accounts 
bought $150,000 in ads. <laughs> that's, that's nothing. Yeah, it was it was an almost meaningless number that's going to have virtually no impact on the general American public. Um, you know what what Russia what Russia was doing there is like a very uh, half-hearted, unsophisticated attempt to mimic um, American and before that, you know, British foreign policy of uh, supporting nationalist and separatist movements. Uh, in the territory of whatever great power you're trying to uh, you're trying to undermine, you know, it started. You know, people, the, the West started doing this when they were trying to undermine the Ottoman Empire. Uh, they continued uh, with, with, in the uh, in the tension with Russia. It's been a sort of Western soft power strategy for a very very long time. But you know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on Facebook ads is not going to do it. <laughs> um, Trump and Hillary in twenty sixteen spent eighty one million on Facebook ads. Like now we're talking. Like there's there's some some real money spent to move the needle a little a little bit. Uh so there's a Russia spent point zero seven or something like percent on on that. Like what are we even talking about? It's absurd. All right, so again just to drive that point home, there was no Russian disinformation in twenty sixteen. But the FBI said, hey, in twenty twenty they said, hey uh Facebook and everyone there was a lot of Russian disinformation in 2016. There was none. So be on the lookout for more coming in this election. There wasn't any, but they were able to use that as justification to silence the Hunter laptop story. Is that it? That's yeah. That's a, that's a good summary. You yeah, know, there great. was just this huge panic over for uh, after you know, in the years after the Trump election in 2016, to convince everyone that uh, these Russians were out to, uh, to brainwash you on social media. Mm. And what, it was just a total boogie man. Yeah. What? Let's back it up now. What are the Facebook files? We've heard about these. Where did they come from? What, what are we talking about here? Uh, so this is something that uh, Jim Jordan and the uh, House Judiciary Committee uh, Republicans have obtained. Uh, it took them a while to obtain it because Facebook was straight up refusing to comply with their subpoena. Uh, you know, Jim Jordan asked specific files from Facebook, specific conversations with the government, especially the FBI. Uh, that's how we know about uh, Elvis Chan's uh, comments to uh, to Facebook. Uh, we also know, by the way, that Elvis Chan uh, was not entirely truthful in a recent uh, deposi- in a deposition last year in the Missouri v. Biden case. He wasn't honest about how often he had talked to Facebook about the Hunter Biden story. Uh, he said it was once, but these files seem to prove it was at least twice, um, among other things. And uh, but yes, so you know, J- Jordan eventually obtained these files from Facebook. He had to actually threaten to hold Mark Zuckerberg in contempt of Congress. Facebook really didn't want to uh, give up the files, um, and maybe that's why uh, Chan wasn't um, wasn't so forthright in his. Uh, in his uh, deposition statements, either for some reason, uh, Facebook and perhaps the deep state did not want these files to be released because it just reveals a lot more about their the coordination between uh, between the FBI and other government agencies and the White House uh, and Facebook. Um, there's another story we did last week. Uh, the previous dumps of Facebook files showing that. Uh, the White House was actively trying to uh, get conservative media suppressed on Facebook and uh, and the mainstream media elevated in its place. So it, it shows cl- clear as daylight that the White House and government officials 
were putting their thumbs on the scale of social media, leaning on these companies, threatening them, berating them, uh, telling them they needed to con- to uh, censor certain content and elevate other types of content. So this is uh, former White House official ba- Rob Flaherty. He was the digital director. Uh, he asked Facebook to alter their algorithm so people would be more likely to see the New York Times instead of, quote, polarizing people. I love that. Like, so the New York Times, that's not polarizing, uh, but yeah, other, other, other conservatives are uh, polarizing, as if, therefore, that means uh, inaccurate or immoral, wrong, worthy of being silenced, merely because they're polarizing. Uh, what else have we learned from, from the, their direct involvement? Yeah, the, the polarizing thing is really rich because um, I'm not sure if you've, uh, there was this trend, like the polarization and the extremism was started by the media. Uh, there was some brilliant research a few years back uh, into the so-called the, the Great Awakening by a, um, uh, by a researcher who's now, I believe, at the Manhattan Institute. And it showed just a massive, massive increase in the uh, the use of terms like uh, like systemic racism and and unconscious bias and uh, and all of the terms you know that are used by the, the most divisive uh, extremist identitarian elements of the left, just the massive rise in those terms across the media, including the New York Times, uh, that began around 2020, 2010, 2011 and just shot upwards after after then. So the media really started the trend towards, uh, you know, dividing people on the basis of race and uh, and, and gender and other other categories. And conservative media responded to that with, uh, mm. with you know, calling out corporate wokeness and calling out wokeness in the media. So the, it's the media that has driven polarization. So for the, uh, the White House to say, well, you need to clamp down on polarizing media, that would mean clamping down on the New York Times. Great point. Um, all right. Obviously, Alum and Breitbart will follow the latest with the Facebook files. Uh, I want to jump over to Elon Musk here. This is a big deal. Uh, and I don't know if, well, I guess he would know, but I think this is going to open up a whole, a whole thing. <laughs> this, this is going to be a thing. Um, so, and I, and I saw this after what happened to the NASCAR driver. So the NASCAR driver liked a meme about George Floyd and he got indefinitely suspended because of it. And then I read that Elon tweeted, if you were unfairly treated by your employer due to posting or liking something on this platform, we will fund your legal bill. No limit, please let us know. And I was like, oh, this, this NASCAR driver, Elon will pay his legal bills. But it turned out the NASCAR driver liked it on Instagram. So, bah, alas. Uh, this, ah. is a, this is a, he, Elon will not come to the rescue there. Uh, then someone wrote, Elon understands that nothing changes behavior in the United States faster than threat of legal action. And Elon said, and we won't just sue. It will be extremely loud, and we will go after the boards of directors of the companies too. That This is something. What's happening here? Well, I mean, if um, if, uh, if Musk is serious, that's saying, uh, that would really change the game. Uh, much like Twitter restoring all those all these big conservative accounts has changed the game, frankly. And um, you know, there's there's been this whole trend ever since the start of social media of people getting fired over jokes, and uh, and and you know, not even 
their own statements, but sometimes just retweets or likes, as we've seen with this NASCAR example. And obviously, the media loves this because it gives them a lot of power to destroy people's reputations, even more than they had in the past. Um, the left loves this because they can they can enforce their norms and, and cancel people for violating their norms, especially in the age of uh, woke corporations and uh, DEI departments. Very easy to do. You find someone's posts, uh, you report them to HR, and that's that. But it's going to be a lot harder if there's a really... Um, if there's a, a big company with a lot of financial clout and a lot of uh, reach in terms of the number of people they can reach, calling out these corporations for that and funding lawsuits against them, that would really add to the pressure against DEI, which is mm. frankly already there. And I think DEI is already receding. It's past its peak. Cancel culture is past its peak as well. I think um, if, uh, if X follows through with this, uh, X, you know, the new name for Twitter, that would uh, that would really accelerate that trend, which would be uh, excellent. Yes, I wonder how far Elon is willing to take it. How much of a free speech extremist is he? So I think we would all get behind, you know, if someone said um, uh, drag queens shouldn't read to children and they were fired by their employer, we'd be like, whoa, 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 come, come to that person's defense, that's crazy. But what if someone goes on the Twitter or X and says, uh, Hey, you know what? The Nazis were great. And then they get fired from the school district. Like how deeply will Elon, how deeply does he believe in freedom of speech on his platform that he would even defend, uh, anything. And then it goes the other way too, I guess. I don't know how often it happens that someone says too liberal of a view or too progressive of a view and gets fired. I don't know if that's a thing, but that will he do it both ways too? That, that remains to be tested and, and certainly will be tested. Right. Indeed. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to see more details um, if there's going to be like a, a full department set up to handle this, who to, con who to contact in the first instance if you want to take advantage of this. And also, you know, what he says, if you're unfairly treated by your employer. So what does unfairly treated uh, actually, uh, actually yes. mean? I'm sure there's is it going to be all types of political speech, which would, you know, be, you know, like the, what the ACLU used to do? The ACLU used to defend even extremists when yes, their uh, yes. when their free speech rights were undermined, um, or is it going to be more limited than that? Obviously, there are cases where actually I think everyone can agree. You know, uh, some of the very early cases of people getting fired for social media posts were, you know, included, you know, fast food workers who uh, took pictures of themselves uh, putting their feet on uh, on the lettuce. Uh, for uh, for laws on social media, and they got fired over that. I don't think anyone can disagree with uh, with that. That's not unfairly treated. That's just enforcing you know the workplace hygiene rules. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think unfairly treated. We need to know a bit more about what that That's means. Great point. Yeah, you mentioned the ACLU I and mean, the, the 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 great principled stance they took about uh, the Nazi march or whatever. That that used to be them. Uh, not anymore. Last question for you, Alum. Uh, different story. Uh, so Pornhub, uh, there's a bunch of states that are passing these age verification laws in order to access the site. And at first, Pornhub's like, okay, fine, we'll comply in Louisiana, and their traffic went down 80%. So they finally said, no, 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 we're not, we're not complying anymore. We're just going to shut down entirely and encourage people to <clears throat> call their local representatives to get rid of that law, which is a weird phone call, right? It's like, hey, local rep, I need my pornography now. <laughs> I need it immediately. <laughs> Please get rid of age verification. I need it right now. So uh, they're shutting down now in a bunch of different states, which I think is great. Uh, 
what but the Bennett Bornhub did this like blowhardy like uh oh um uh we we're here for uh uh th- this this age verification will affect children's what was it like some ridiculous like, oh to put children's uh put children at risk <laughs> like what and it'll put your privacy at risk so what what are the age verification laws yeah that's a very uh, that's a very strange argument uh, yeah, it essentially says they have to do more to verify people's age before they can use the website, which is a perfectly reasonable uh, request, I think. Um, it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty interesting that their traffic went down so much. I guess people don't want to give up their uh, their information to these websites, which I guess is also quite reasonable. Um, yeah, I think I think red states have really accomplished what they set out to do here. I don't think they're going to be crying because this website isn't accessible in their state anymore. Um, what do you have and, to do uh, to show your to show your age? Do you have to upload identification? Because I know sometimes if you go to like beer websites, it'll just say what's your age, and you just type it in. Um, but this is more advanced. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure the details on that to be honest. But uh, I know that um, cryptocurrency websites you have to upload your photo of your driver's license in most cases. Mm. So it, uh, it could be something like that. It's always something people don't want to do in this instance. I guess people want to stay uh, stay private. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, red states have been really impressive in, in their uh, their regulation of companies, I think, and the direction they're taking things. They're uh, um, they've successfully got this website out of their states. Yeah, I mean, like- and um, and yeah, it seems to have been pretty uh, pretty effective. Yeah, and, you know, there's something we see often, I think, uh, companies, instead of trying to comply with regulations, will just shut down. You see this with um, Facebook and Google in Canada recently. They said they'd rather not share, uh, they'd rather not allow news links to be shared on social media than comply with a law which says you should, uh, they should funnel companies into big media companies. And I'm actually on the social media company's side. In that case, I don't think uh, the mainstream media needs bailing out by the tech companies. Yeah, but uh, I think the the people who are pushing these age verification, age verification laws, they're like, okay, <laughs> like great. So mission accomplished if you're going to just shut down in the state. Perfect. Hope you stay shut down forever. Uh, Alan Bakari, Breitbart News, senior tech correspondent. Alan, thanks, brother. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. Uh, latest with the Facebook files, of course, always on Breitbart. Dot com. I just think it's like a, um, what's the story that used to be, jeez, oh what was the ride in Disneyland that they just shut down? Splash Mountain. And Splash Mountain used to be Briar Rabbit. I just think of it, that's it. I just think of a Briar Rabbit. Such, oh no, Pornhub, please. Whatever you do, don't shut down entirely. No, no, no. Stay open. Just comply with the law. Just Please stay open. Oh, no, don't shut down. No, we will. We will. Oh, okay. (laughs) Mission accomplished. I'm American made. Hey, thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. This is our shortened, abbreviated version. And the whole show is available on SiriusXM, Patreon, and the SiriusXM app. Tomorrow, we are going to talk about some Second Amendment rules that have come down which are good Uh, a couple laws coming from the democrats which are bad definitely and also we talked today about the risk or about chinese malware in uh, government computers no one seems to care much about and we had a guy call in who uh, was in 
the Space Force's version of the Air Force. He was in the Air Force, and now this part has become the Space Force. Anyway, he talked about how vulnerable our GPS system is. So we got to do some more research on that so we can understand what we're up against there and get these things in the news, get talking about these things so that we can make a difference here and get some pressure on our elected leaders to focus on this instead of uh, the silliness. So we'll do more of that tomorrow. Hope you can be there. Spread the word.